0: Listener production. One day I, I, I realised that when I edited photos of myself, I would get more likes and I just started to feel a bit sick about it because I thought that's damaging my, the way I see myself. I think the only way that I can get more likes is by editing how I actually look um, and it was more about how it damages my psyche.
1: So I'm going to dig deep to give you a new window into the souls of the people we're curious to get to know and understand. There might be tears as well as laughter as we celebrate the real life flaws and vulnerabilities that make us human. Abby Chatfield is an anti influencer influencer. She's built an empire off the back of reality television with her smart and self deprecating views on sex, politics, and body positivity. Like me, Abby is very open about her mental health. And in this episode, we do discuss some heavy stuff. So please reach out if you do need some help. I'm in my 50s. And I've got to say, Abby scares me a little, but in a good way. Life for me is about responsibility and looking after everyone else. And somewhere along the way, I forgot about me. So I wanted to talk to Abby about how I can remember that younger, wilder woman and embrace that part of myself again. Abby Chatfield, you come into the studio. You've got your hair, you've got your big blue eyes, your beautiful smile.
0: You have such a lovely energy, a beautiful oh, way about you. Thank you, thank you. It's so nice. it's lovely to meet you. Thanks for having me. It's it's so amazing. I can say the same thing about you. You're gorgeous. You're happy. You're joyous. I love it. Oh well, you're
1: someone who, in a way, you scare me a little bit. Oh. I've but, heard that but before. In a, but in a good way. And I'll preface that by saying I'm 51. Mm-hmm. I'm going through menopause. Mm-hmm. I get very hot and sweaty at night, yes. but in not the good way that you talk about. <laughs> and what I love about you is that you are so open about sex, about pleasure, mm-hmm. and what, what you need and what's mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. How can you be
0: like that? I think I've always sort of been like this. So if we're going to go right back to like my childhood, if you like, a lot of people seem to think my mum must have been some, because I have a single mother, so... People seem to think my mom has been some like you know deviant, but it, it, my mum was just very much. She never shamed sex. I wasn't in like a religious family or anything, but she also never really spoke about it unless asked. So there was this environment where I knew if I asked on a question, she would answer me like, "Oh, darling, it's just you know." But it was never like pushed upon us. So I think that's why I've always been very open to it. I then went to an all girls school where I mean you know you talk about anything and everything with the girls at lunch under the fig tree. So that kind of also helped, despite the fact it was a Catholic girls' school, I had a very close knit friendship group of women, and I never really had any uh, male friends in my life to kind of shame me or such shame me. You know what I mean? So I think that open experience with all my female friends and my my entire family are basically women, except for a few of them. But uh, you know, my extended family having a single mum and like aunties and all mums, female friends growing up, it never was really shamed. Like when Dipper said on oh, I'm a Celebrity. Uh, for, for context, on I'm supposed to get me out of here. I was wearing bikinis and Dipper said, you shouldn't go out looking like that as a joke, like a quote-unquote dad joke. And he was saying, you know how your dad says that? And I was like, I've never heard that because I've had females raising me my entire life.
1: You're not going out like that.
0: Dipper, what does that joke mean? Hey, What does that joke mean? Yeah, you know, when a father sees his daughter, you know, grow up,
1: <laughs> and you're going out to see a boyfriend or whatever and walks out with, you know, a mini skirt yeah, and that sort why? of thing.
0: Yeah,
1: but why? Well, you know, we're, we're protective. Of you know? what? Of your girls being hurt, your young ladies being hurt. But why is it determined what we wear? You are not going
0: out like that. But why is it determined by what we wear? Well, it's, it's like you're, you're um, seeking attention and asking for, you know...
1: <laughs> asking for what? Asking for, oh, asking, don't get into this. Book no, asking for what? No, no, I'm
0: no. So then, I think after that, I also have, have amazing female friendships. That again, I've never had anyone shame me in my life for anything. We're all kind of similar. People seem to think that I'm the crazy one in in the friendship group, but my friends are all just exactly as as kooky as me and as loud as me. Like I didn't tell you, I just screaming. I'm sure you have similar friends. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> do you know what? I have a
1: very close network of female friends, Mm. but I'm not as free as you are. And I wish I was because I look back on my younger life Mm. and I was a bit wild and crazy and out there. But then what happened was I got married, Mm -hmm. I became a mum. Mm -hmm. So I felt that I had to shed a part of my younger self. Yeah, right. And I wish I could find that again. And I think that's why... I'm drawn to you because I think, oh, I want some of what she's having.
0: Yeah, wow. That's so interesting. I mean, I think a lot of it has come from after The Bachelor being so hated. I then was kind of like, well, you all hate me anyway. So because it was the trolling was just insane. So after that, I was like, you know what? I can speak about my abortion. um, And if it helps one person, then that's fine because you all hate me anyway. Then it was like talking about slut shaming. You all hate me anyway. You know, so then I just felt like more free and uh, freer and freer and freer. And then now I'm just like, you know what? I think the most important thing on social media and in media, in traditional media as well, is to have some sort of authenticity. And I think my lack of filter, which I was so... I felt nervous about sharing that part of me at first, obviously. I mean, I was—I had a corporate job before The Bachelor. You were what, a property, property analyst? Yeah. How, I mean, <laughs> that is so, like, what is that? It makes no sense. So, uh, <laughs> it's so bizarre.
1: So what then, you're a property analyst, I like, can imagine you with your clipboard and doing, I don't yes. know, figure statistics, yeah. what then made you go, okay, I'm going to do The Bachelor.
0: It's a bit of a long story, but I'd gone to Scotland in June 2018 to surprise my friend. She'd gotten engaged and her brother got me from the airport. We liked each other, spent a couple of weeks in Scotland with him and then he was like, I'm moving to Australia. He came to Australia, didn't work out, nothing even happened. We were just like, that was a holiday romance, wasn't it? But he's wonderful and I'm still very good friends with his sister. Um, But my housemate was just like, oh, we should apply for The Bachelor as a joke. So it wasn't even like thought through. So we applied, and the next day were we'll auditions. So I must have be been one of the last to put my application in because it was January. Usually you apply in September, apparently. I was just like, this will be funny. Ha 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 ha. And then I got on. So it wasn't even thought through through. Like people say, you know, you had this, I had this grand plan. <laughs> I was like sitting there for years. It's like, do you think I'd be in property if I wanted to be in media? You know what I mean? Like that's probably the most direct, direct route for me. So yeah, it was kind of accidental, but it all just snowballed, you know, from, from applying to being in the mansion, I think it was six weeks. Goodness. Mm. But do you think that was because, I mean, I think unfairly you were
1: cast as sort of the villain mm, in mm-hmm. that series. Mm-hmm. And so With your audition or interview, do you think they probably saw you and thought, yes, we're going to put a tag on Abby is she's going to be the villain. She's going to be the one who, because you, yeah. your openness and your sense of being comfortable in your skin would have come across in that interview.
0: Yeah, I do wonder this. Actually, I'm still friends with someone who cast me. I should ask him. Um, <laughs> you mean then you haven't asked, asked him, him yet? Yes? No, because oh. I, I just love them, you know. I, the producers on the show, I actually, people think, oh, you must hate the producers. And I'm like, no, they're just really good at their jobs. Like, one of them, I used to always be like, God, she's good at her fucking job. Like, I'm so, I'm like, she's so good, but it makes me angry. But I, I don't know. I, I think in my audition, I cried a lot. I, I'm a huge crier. I cried almost every day in the mansion. So I don't know if they just saw like a strong personality and then they were like, and that means villain. But I spoke about uh, like my childhood and cried at my childhood. So I'm not sure. Maybe. I don't know. I also went to an all-girls school, like I was saying, and I, I thought I'd go into the mansion and have all these, you know, really easily have friends, but my only friends in there really were the crew and then Jess Brody. So, <laughs> <laughs> you see, I don't swear. And oh, I'm right. oh, so... Sorry, I no, no, swear no, no, too.
1: please, please. It doesn't bother <laughs> me. My daughters swear. That's okay. the thing. I'm surrounded by swearers. But okay. there's a part of me that is a bit uptight and mm-hmm. I wish I wasn't. Mm-hmm. And so when I see you on The Bachelor, I, again, I think... Why would you do that? Why would you put yourself in that position? You've got no problems. You'd have no problems finding fabulous fellas.
0: Yeah. Why put yourself in that situation? I honestly just thought it was funny. I honestly, it wasn't that deep, you know. Everyone thinks, but I think I just thought, okay, I've, you know, I've had a few failed relationships. I was 23 though, which is so funny because I was like, I'm That's getting so on. That's young. <laughs> what are you talking I, about? I, I, but you're still a baby. What are you now? 26. So I was <laughs> still, you know, I was so young on the show.
1: You are still so young. Mm. But with that, I mean, as a 23-year-old going into the show and then as you mentioned earlier, you got the most horrific level of trolling mm. and hate your way. How on earth do you navigate that or manage that?
0: Oh, honestly, I didn't very well at first. Uh, what I did logistically during the show was one of my best friends, um, Seisha, love you, Seisha, she was in social media uh, like marketing. So she knew how to like handle my Instagram. Like I didn't even know that, you know, the restrict function or like restricting comments. I didn't even know how it worked. So I would give her my Instagram login on like Wednesday through Friday and then she'd be like, all clear, And then I was allowed to go onto my Instagram and use it uh, personally. And then by about, you know, Wednesday afternoon, I'd get out and she'd get back in. So I had a good friend of mine, like a little social media manager, that now they have someone from 10 doing it, which is great. But yeah, so I had her. But then during the show, I really didn't. I was really close. I had really extreme suicidal ideation, unfortunately, at, at the end of the season, the weekend before finale aired. Uh, because when you're in it, you don't think it's ever going to end. You're like, I'm just going to get this. I'm mean, too fair. It hasn't really ended, but I've gotten, <laughs> I've
1: gotten better at dealing no, with this. You've you've owned it now, yeah. and I think
0: you're empowered about it. Whereas yeah.
1: during that time, you're removed from your family, your mm-hmm. friends, the people who get you, mm-hmm. who know you. Mm-hmm. And so, tell me a little bit more then about that suicidal ideation, because yeah. I mean, that's just a terrible place to
0: be. Yeah, it was awful. I mean, I've struggled with depression, anxiety since I was probably like I want to say 18. Nineteen, so not super young, but still like that kind of era of my life. And I had had some really, really bad times in 2017. See, people have called me up on this, saying that because I, I, I just call it an attempt because I was so determined to do it that I didn't. But I guess it wasn't an attempt. Basically, I went to a bridge, then called Lifeline because I saw the Lifeline things. You now you always think, who, who does that save? It saved me because I was like. I was really drunk and I was going to the Story Bridge and I was like, I'm going to do it. But part of my brain was like, better better just call. And then I got in an ambulance and went to the hospital overnight. So, yeah, I guess it isn't an attempt. It's, I don't know what you'd call that.
1: But do you know what? Why, why do you need to even explain yeah, or, people... or say to people, well, it was this or, yeah. or whatever? You were clearly a young woman yeah. at the very edge. And yeah. Why do you have to explain or justify yeah. that
0: to people? That's true. Yeah. People just like to say that I'm trying to get attention for it. But it's just that's the best wording that I have for it. My friends call it Bridgetent as like, my <laughs> like, friends are like me. So they call it, I'm like, remember I'm like, That was so random. But like, obviously, they're very supportive and wonderful. <laughs> but, but we all just use that. it's good to laugh though, isn't yeah. it? Because
1: you, you came through that. And I think humour... And laughter mm. is a very important way yeah. of trying to, to manage or look yeah. back on
0: terrible times. Yeah, it was awful, and it was really uh, hard to deal with. But so I already had kind of that history, but I thought it was all good. When I went on the show. Let's just go back though a bit. You rang Lifeline. Oh, yeah. Yes, you rang Lifeline. spoke to them. Yes, and then they called an ambulance. Actually, this is kind of an interesting story. So I had had suicidal ideation. And I'd been going to this GP near my house. I kept begging for the mental health plan. Like I was like, I'm not doing well. I need the mental health plan. And he said, no, 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 you don't need it. We don't give it out to everyone. But I was saying like, I am on the verge of suicide. Can you please, um, Can you please give me a mental health plan? And he wouldn't. Which basically
1: means I want to please go and see a psychologist mm-hmm. and a certain number of visits will
0: be paid for by Medicare. Yes, exactly. Thanks for explaining. <laughs> we love the context. And he said, no, he just gave me Valium instead. So that night i had like two Valium and like a few drinks and I'd, I didn't understand the mixing of the Valium with the drinking would make me super, it was Oktoberfest, I remember, make me super drunk. So leading up to what i had been asking my gp for help and i had been asking uh, you know people uh, to help me with like, because psychologists are so expensive it's like 200 dollars a session and when you're at uni it's not even like you, you can't even afford you know you have mega ring every night for dinner you can't afford a 200 dollars a week in a psychologist so when it's subsidized you think okay so yeah, and then I was on Valium and had um, a few drinks and uh, yeah, went to the the bridge then called Lifeline and I can't really remember, but I remember they were like, we're going to call an ambulance, stay there and the ambulance came and then I just stayed the night in hospital and my friends came to get me and then that was kind of like a a, a rude awakening, I guess, for all my friends and for myself. Then my best friend at the time said, you have to go to therapy or uh, or like, I'm not like, like, tough love, which was good. So I went to therapy. What amazing friends that you have yeah. around you to, yeah. to actually say that. So then were you able to get that help? Yes. So then I went to a different GP. Um, uh, but, it's so <laughs> actually kind of funny. So I was seeing someone and I went into the GP to try and get a mental health plan. And I'd had an STI check three months before and I had never gotten a call. So... You know, no news is good news, right? And I went in like two days after my. <laughs> but wait a minute.
1: What do you mean? I'm sorry. It's going no, link up. No news is good news. It's gonna link up did, Okay. No, All, right. All
0: right. So, <laughs> so you know how you usually get an STI check? When you get an STI check, if you don't get a call, it means you don't have anything. They only call you if something <laughs> we know if something bad's happened. So But symptoms, wouldn't you have symptoms? So no. you're knowing. Oh no. okay. I was just getting routinely checked because I'm an STI conscious queen. So I went in to the GP, this new GP who I'd been to just for a check three months before, and I went into him to get on antidepressants and to get a mental health plan. And I walk in, he was like, so, you got chlamydia. Oh. And I was like, it's like three days after, bridge didn't." And I was like, oh, doctor, I came in here to, and he was so lovely. He was like, oh, my God, I thought you got a call for a routine check. I was like, no, 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 I made this to try and get a mental health plan because I went to the story of bridge three days ago. In Heinz, obviously, at the time. Devastating. Devastating. and But chlamydia, you know, take a pill and it's fine. But it was almost like it was a dark sitcom. Like the fact that I walked in and I was trying to get myself help. But yeah, so then I went on antidepressants and then I went to therapy and kind of got better. And then I was open at this when I got into the show, like told them everything to get on because I thought if I lie, then something happens, then it's on them and, or it's on me. Then it's, I don't, you know, I didn't want to get on the show by lying about my mental health. Then it went on and I just... I, I think when you go on these shows, you think, oh, who cares what some random person in Wagga Wagga says about you? But when you're having millions of comments, I really think there's something that happens to your brain when you're reading those things about yourself, regardless of who's it from, when there's thousands and thousands a day. And every article about you, every Facebook post about you has the more angry face reactions because you're on their screen, they're so angry and it was just, it was really hard and then with Matt as well, I'd also been through a breakup, you know, I loved him and it was just so sad, so it was, just was to was so with. clear, the connection yeah.
1: that the two of you had. There are feelings there that's I've never said or felt anything that wasn't there there's not anything that was wrong or missing
0: and it's just let my heart bonds with someone else. I don't know what to, say. what to say. completely heartbreaking. Completely, absolutely heartbreaking. Yeah.
1: So how then did you get through that? Because I think your story is so important because a lot of other young women relate to you mm. because you're open, you talk about how you feel, you talk about your sexuality mm. and, and your mental health because mm. I think now more than ever, mm. young people are struggling.
0: Mm. It was really difficult. I mean, I, I, I called the show therapist quite regularly and then I got a new therapist, uh, which was good. Um, I think a lot of people want me to have answer this question with like, I just had a positive outlook. And I'm like, going to therapy and got an antidepressants. <laughs> like, it wasn't, I don't have some answer to it, you know. Unfortunately, the way to deal with this stuff is to go to therapy or, you know, practice mindfulness or find a way. It doesn't always look like antidepressants for people, but for me it did. And you've got to put the work in,
1: don't you? Yeah. Because I think it's so good that you're open to about antidepressants. Mm. I take them. Mm-hmm. I went back that my mental health, my anxiety was creeping back again. Yeah. But for me, that's just one part of my toolkit for, mm-hmm. For my mental health. Yeah. For you, what else do you do to keep in that sort of positive mindset? Because we can't be positive all the time. No, we
0: can't. No, we definitely can't. I think, yeah, it is kind of like a wheelhouse. It's going to therapy once we... And going to therapy when you think things are good. That's the biggest thing I think a lot of people that go to therapy and on antidepressants say is when you think you're okay and you've like, got nothing to talk about, that's when you do the actual work underneath. So that's the biggest thing for me. As well as during lockdown, I just... Went for so many walks, <laughs> just walking so much, which was nice. And I would try to, you know, listen to like mindfulness podcasts and I would try to like be more aware. But that can only go so far, right? Lockdown was like, as you were saying, it's very difficult. So I think after all these difficult times, I think as well being easy on myself and not thinking, why am I happy? You need to be happier. Things are going well for you. This is happening, this is happening. It's been like, yeah, you can have a bad day. We don't do any work. Don't do even like any work on yourself. Just like, your task for today is doing a yoga session because your back hurts, you know, or like your task for today is watch three episodes of Real Housewives. Like, (laughs) I think it's just being easier on yourself, which is so hard to say, but it's honestly a mixture of therapy. Plus, not even, and when I say exercise, I don't mean like hit, like F45 and like just going for a walk around the block. Be like 10 minutes, have a breather, get out of your apartment, living alone in lockdown. That saved my life. Um, But yeah, and even just like talking to friends about it, I think we're all really scared to talk to our, like I'm fine. But wait a
1: minute, you're not scared,
0: are you? Oh, A little bit. I think it's easier for me to post on my Instagram stories anonymously than it is to call my close friends and talk to them about it.
1: But wait a minute, you don't post anonymously because we see your beautiful face, we see what you're saying, we see your captions, Mm.
0: there's your image. Mm. So it's not anonymous. It's not anonymous, but I guess the people who are watching it to me are anonymous. So I'll just sit down the bottom, you know, 111,000 viewers. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, you know what I mean? Whereas if my friends are talking to me, like one of my friends like, oh, your story the other day. And I was like, you watch my stories? And she's like, yes, my best friends. I was like, wait, well, you watch my content? She's like, yeah. To me, it's so separate because it's like, that's not entirely, but it's, it's work. And it's like my, my friends that watch the Love Island show that I'm hosting, I'm like, oh, you watch that? And they're like, yes, I'm mean, a good friend. And I'm like, oh, I don't, it doesn't even register to me that people in my life watch my stuff. So, So
1: does that then let you be freer, that yeah. you're able to sort of almost separate it, as you say?
0: I think so, yeah. Now that I'm talking about it, yeah, I think so. I still can talk to my friends much easier than most, I think.
1: What about your mum? Because this is, I know I've mentioned, you know, I'm a mum. Mm -hmm. It's because my daughters are just young teenagers and I try and be as open as possible. Mm -hmm. But even me, there's some things I don't want to say because I don't know what my mum's going to think. And I still worry about that. And I think, come on, you're (laughs) a grown woman. Why am I worrying? Do you worry that you've been so open about your sexuality, Mm. about the vibrators Mm. which are selling out? Do you think, oh God, what, what will
0: mum think? Yeah, at first I did with the vibrator. I was like, oh mum, I'm doing a collab with a product and it's so exciting. And she was like, oh, congratulations, darling. And then it came out and she's like, a vibrator. And I was like, yes, a vibrator. So you didn't tell her until it came out. <laughs> no, I didn't, yeah, until I was like, and this is, this is how many we sold. Aren't you proud of me? But she. And it, then what did she say? She was just like, oh darling, you're so amazing. I'm so proud of you. You know, never thought you'd be selling vibrators, but I'm so proud of you. You know, she's like I was saying, she's not like this, like isn't that great? Yeah. So,
1: I think that is so empowering. I think yeah. to have your mom going, yes, you go, you keep doing all this amazing stuff. Yeah. As opposed to either shaming you, yeah. not deliberately, but just sort of in a way that mm. makes you second guess, oh,
0: who am I? Again, she's not some like, I mean, not that she isn't sex positive, but she's not like some like down my down my throat, like you know, it's talk about sexuality, like the mum from sex education. She's just like, oh, darling, I'm proud of you. That's a success and I'm proud of you and what you're doing. But the thing that I get worried about with mum, obviously she loves me so much that she's every day on the Google, on the Daily Mail, seeing what's happening with me. And she gets, she kind of, she calls me, she goes, I don't believe the headline, but I'm just checking in to make sure you're Okay. And uh, there was an article of me having a heated conversation on Bondi Beach on the phone, and it was me walking. And mum called me. She's like, darling, I just want to see you're okay. The Daily Mail, did, you looked upset. I was like, mum, I was on the phone to you. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, mum, you and I were talking about anti-vaxxers on the phone and talking about how borders are closed. Like, that." Like she was like, I was really worried. Like, um, I was, we were yelling at each other, like... Not like yelling in agreeance on the phone. So she's she gets worried about things like that. And that's what I get worried about. Like I almost had a car accident recently and I posted about it. And I'd called her, but she has her phone at home and Daily Mail made an article before she could call me back. And she's like, why didn't you tell me? I was like, "Mom, you were... At- tea with your friends. Like I you to. I too. Try, And you know. had your phone off. Yeah. So it's more like she gets worried. I'm not telling her things about my life, but Daily Mail knows. I'm like, mum, I tell you everything. It's okay. But that's more now where I get worried about mum. It's never like anything I do, I know she's going to love me and be proud of me, you know, and if things go wrong, she'll always be there for me. So yeah, she's wonderful.
1: I feel like I'm a proud mum looking at yeah. you <laughs> because, you know, you, you're everything that I think we want young women to be that mm. you are comfortable you. in your skin. I mean, that's how you come across to me. Would you say that you are?
0: Ah, uh, I think I am now. I don't know. I think because my followers and the community that's on Instagram is as wanky as that sounds. But people are so nice to me when they meet me in person. I, you know, people cry when they meet me, being like, "You've made me love my body or love myself." Or, or I came for the first time. <laughs> you. And, and wait, how does that make you feel? Because I would, I'd be so embarrassed. <laughs> like, yes, like, oh. queen. I, I love it people are so, they're so nice. People are like, so, 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 so lovely when they meet me. And if ever I have days where I'm like, I don't like how I look or like my, even my personality, I think sometimes I watch interviews of myself and be like, why did I say that? Like oh, it's so embarrassing or like see myself on TV and be like, oh, God. I think it's a little bit disingenuous for me to have those thoughts and I try to get myself back into like a positive mindset about myself. So I'll write like things I like about myself in a notebook or something, which is so
1: cliche, but But I just feel like it's
0: disingenuous.
1: I think that's a very practical way Mm. to keep your head on track and Mm -hmm. I think that's a great thing to do. And then if you can encourage Mm. other young women to do that,
0: it's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, it just feels a little bit, you're like, oh, God, write a love letter to yourself and you're like, okay. <laughs> but I think no, so that that's what keeps me. No, but yeah, we, we need
1: to do that. We need to do that. Yeah. And, and I think what another uh, part of what you've been posting that really, I suppose, resonated with me but more on behalf of, I think about my daughters and other young women is when there was some paps who took some pictures of you in a bikini, in that orange bikini, and you looked hot, (laughs) you looked amazing. But it was framed as, oh, you know, you're not having a good sort of body day. But the way you hit back at that and said,
0: no... I'm actually, this is how my body is. Yeah, that's how I look. Uh, I, I try to never think that that's like a bad photo of me or a good photo of me. I mean, there are some hot photos of me. You know, you see a photo of yourself and you're like, that's a goodie. Oh, because yeah. Because can I say, your boobs are amazing. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> From a very flat-chested woman. I'm like wow, look at Abby's boobs. <laughs> <laughs> they're very moody. They'll be, they're, moody. They're, they've got two cup size difference throughout the month. So on my period, it'll be like an E cup. I'm like, no, I think they're a D because I'm ovulating. That's why bikinis sometimes don't fit me because I buy them when I accidentally, at the wrong time of the month, I need to buy them in between the ovulation and the periods. very stressful. My flow app being like, buy buy bras now. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, the, I, I think that was something that I decided early on when I, they, I started getting tapped. And they get the worst photos. And they upload well, the waiting. worst photos. they're waiting. They're waiting for them. They're waiting for the worst photos. And also even like photos with fans. I'm like, you know, they're like, oh, do you, are you okay with me uploading that? And I'm like, that's how I looked when we took the photo. Do I think it's the hottest photo me in the world? No, I'll still reshare it because it was really nice meeting you. And also because that's just how I look. There's a spectrum of how we look. Sometimes we look great. Sometimes we look, you know, not the, our best, which is fine. But I think it's all photos of me. So that's how I try to reframe it of myself. I also don't try to take too many like when I'm doing content, like too many photos, like try and get the perfect photo. I'm like, that's good enough, and not in a lazy way, being like, oh whatever. In it's, a real way. And I think it's freed me so much from panicking about what I post. And I just, I'm able to to you know take photos with friends and actually upload things. So I'm like, oh, we look really happy there, not because I look really good there. And I think it's helped me kind of not care when paparazzi photos are bad, quote unquote bad.
1: Yes. And and the other thing as well, I think growing up in a generation that is all social media driven. Mm, mm. And I think that must be really tough for you because I I think about when I was growing up and a similar age to you, I just think, thank goodness there was no phones and all of that stuff to capture things. And I I think that puts
0: an added pressure on your shoulders. It does. I mean, I, I think I was kind of the last year of people, like Instagram came around when I was, I want to say grade 11 or grade 10. So I was kind of formed, right? Like when you're, when you're 16, you're like, at, you aren't you're not a kid, kid, but you at least like have some sort of understanding. And the first two years of Instagram were just photos of coffee and like weird filters. So it wasn't like it is now. Um, so I'm very lucky in that sense. But when it all kind of boomed, everyone was editing their photos. Everyone was uploading, you know, had FaceTune on their phones. And then one day I, I, I realised that when I edited photos of myself, I would get more liked. And I just started to feel a bit sick about it because I thought that's damaging my, the way I see myself. I think the only way that I can get more likes is by editing how I actually look. Um, and it was more about how it damages my psyche. Uh, so that's why I don't edit photos anymore. I don't really. But it is concerning for... I do like t- a Valencia filter, though. I like a filter. I'll do a filter <laughs> to make <laughs> colours pop. Absolutely. <laughs> we love it. But like, a, you know, like a... a Oh, like the body. Oh, no. Yeah. Or, like, if I have, you know, like, I mean, I've never had an issue with cellulite. Side note, everyone is like, how do you accept your cellulite? Because I've cellulite on the front of my legs. But we I'm all like, have cellulite. We all don't have cellulite. We? But it's because mum, again, because mum was always so neutral about everything, she would call them bottom dimples and ah. would say, how cute are your bottom dimples when we were little? So, cellulite for me was never a thing. Stretch marks for me, I have them, but I was never. Subconscious so about them because mum only commented positively on her own body and on our bodies. So I was very, very, very lucky in that sense. You know,
1: this is something I struggle with, and some of my friends struggle with it too. With teenage daughters, the g-string bikini.
0: Okay, so you- and I don't
1: like saying you can't wear that. Yeah. And because I'm wanting to protect them from mm-hmm. pervs, essentially, mm-hmm. and I'm like, can't you have something that covers your bottom a bit more? <laughs> and they're like, but it's fashion how do I manage that?
0: Well, I go topless at Bondi, so i
1: <laughs> Well, you see, but but that's the interesting thing because I I would go topless as a teenager. Oh, really, yeah, yes. yeah. Right, okay. My mum would go topless. And so okay. that's been kind of the struggle for me. Because I think to myself, well, wait a minute, I did go topless as a teenager. I didn't think that was remotely sexual, or I didn't think I was sexualizing myself at all. Yeah. I just did it because yeah. it was the fashion. Uh-huh. But I have this issue mm-hmm. with my daughter's. Elder daughter mm-hmm. showing her bottom to everyone.
0: I think the biggest thing, if people are going to be perv, they're going to perv. If you're in a full, if you're in a full piece, if you're in a little micro bikini, if you're in a g-string, and my mom just says the same thing. She's like, "Your bottom's out." And I'm like, "Yes, mum." <laughs> like ever since I was say major as well. She's like, "Your bloody bottom's out," and I'm like, "Yes, mum. I have a good bottom." And she's like, "Yes, you do, but you got a beautiful figure, but please." And I'm like, "Mum, I think as well. Maybe talking to her, saying that." people are, it's going to make her ashamed of her body and ashamed of her ass. Like you were topless when you were a teenager. Well, of course. and But that's what she'll
1: come back to me at because I yeah. always, she'll go, Mum, you tell me that I should love my body and I've got a beautiful body, yeah, so she, this is what I'm doing. So she does, she throws yeah. it all mm-hmm, back at me. Mm-hmm. But it's that struggle within myself to try and um, make sense of it, protect her, let her embrace herself and be positive. Yeah. And, and I suppose where it came to a head, and part of me was very proud of her, mm. She went to a restaurant with a friend, then she was walking past a table outside and there were these older men. And often I think women or young girls can look older than they are, Mm -hmm. but these older men were looking them up and down and said something very inappropriate. Mm. But my daughter turned around and as I said, I'm not a swearer. She turned around and she said to this man, get effed. I'm 14, you pervert. What an icon. I was like, Yes, go. But then there was another part of me that was like, oh my God, what if he would have turned around yeah. and abused her more? or being violent mm. or something. And
0: so it, I still grapple with that. This thing, we're, we're in a bind as yes. women. If you let, if you let, even as an adult woman now, I, I have I have people yell things at me, you know, and I turn around I go, get effed. I'm like, you, I'm like, you Look, I've had an, an impact on you, Abby. Yeah, you, it, you just said get effed. Oh, I didn't say yeah. the words. <laughs> I didn't want to say Jessica. <laughs> I know, the mum energy. I didn't want mum to be disappointed in me. Get effed. Effed. <laughs> 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 no, yeah. I see. Yeah. I'm a bit
1: cool. Whatever. Yeah, I'll
0: start saying get Fs and I'll tag you every time I do. But yeah. like I'll do that. But then you kind of think, if I say something to you, you could come around. Um, like that, that Nox scrammer boy who then hit that young woman who said something to him when he was trying to slut shame her for what she was wearing. That is a very real consequence and it is scary. Um, but I don't even know what to say because I still don't know if I should react. If I'm by myself, I often don't react. I just keep walking. From with friends, I'll react because I'm like, if you, you know, I've got I've got my girls behind me or I've got someone with me. I wish I had the answer. I wish I knew what she should do. But I'm proud of her because that's what I was doing when I was 14 as well. I'd be like, shut up. Shut <laughs> go away. Um, which is great. But it is concerning because then men's egos get bruised and they want to prove something. Um, but I think in that instance, was it during the day? No, at night. Yeah, it's scary, hey. It's scary because then if you embarrass the person in front of their grown adult mates, they may then want to retaliate. But it's very scary. It's just, it's just the reality of what we have to deal with this woman and what she's going to have to deal with. So I I don't know what the answer is to that. It's awful, isn't it? It is. It its Again, I think that's
1: what's so fabulous about you, though, is that you're a voice for, for my mm. daughters mm. and for other young women, and yes. this confidence mm. that you have that I never had.
0: Mm. And in a way, I envy that. Thank you. I mean, I'm not that confident. I mean, I guess I am, but yeah, I just don't have a filter. Me? What do I you just mean? Have a filter. Everyone's like, "How do you get the confidence to talk about these things?" And I'm like, "I don't know. I think it's more that I like." Can't keep things in. My family's very like yeah at Christmas. There's always like debates about things, you know, like very aggressive debates, but in a fun way. Like we have debates about, like a couple of years ago, it was the fact that if someone calls you nice, they're actually insulting you. No, I like being called nice. No, you like being called nice in as a list, as a listicle, not as it's like, okay. If you met your daughter's boyfriend and you went, yeah, he was nice, that's an insult. It, do you not agree? When you go, like, oh, he was really intelligent and a gorgeous boy. That would be nice. If you say he's nice, that's like, there's nothing good to say about him. He's not interesting. He's boring. He's vanilla. Yeah, vanilla. Exactly. So that was our argument. But those are things we fight about. So I think I've just always had a very loud mouth and I just have had, you know, arguments with my sister and mum about like political issues. So I just, it's not that I'm confident that I have an issue keeping my mouth shut. I'm now trying to train myself to not fight back on Instagram because I'm like, it's costing me my peace. (laughs) Walk away from the phone. That's what I've said to some of my younger friends who get very invested. Mm.
1: And I have over time too, but the best thing I've said, just walk away from the phone. Mm. Doesn't matter. Walk away. Like when you said early on you had that friend of yours who would get to your phone Mm -hmm. while you were doing The Bachelor and get rid of all the nasty stuff and then you could deal with other things.
0: True. I got a phone lock recently, a phone safe. To put my, I have my work phone. So this one that's with me now. Then I got a, a second personal phone. So I've got a little safe. That I'm gonna put it in every night. And I say I'm going to because I haven't done it yet because I can't put it down. But I'm gonna put it in a safe <laughs> and in when? the back corner. When I are go, you gonna do tonight, that? Maybe tonight. I'll say effort. I'll just put, it, <laughs> I'll just put, it, I'll put the phone. I'll put the phone in there. <laughs> Because I've got a new <laughs> phone. I'm like, I'm, like, I'm only getting my new phone. I'm talking my mum, my best friends, and my manager in case something goes goes wild. But I'm just, I'm going to put it away, I swear. But it's it's just really hard as well because it's like, it's, it's just cash pointing too with social media, which I'm sure, um, you know, you understand, your daughters understand as well, is that it's your place, it is like a form of relaxation, it's an entertainment and it's it can it's how be you really connect. G- exactly. it's, it's how
1: you connect, and I look at my girls too, and I think that's how they connect with mm-hmm. their friends, that's how they make sense mm-hmm. of themselves in the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could talk to you for an <laughs> eon. I, I want to put you in my handbag and bring you home and and just go. Look, girls, here is a cool oh, girl. Because <laughs> listen so to nice. her; oh, she knows what she's listen. all about. What What I want to finish with asking you yeah. is: I mean, you you've built an incredible empire, yeah? Haven't guess, you? I guess you have. Not <laughs> I guess. No, not accidentally. You have done it off the back of the Bachelor mm. and built this incredible sort of movement, I think, around your your confidence, mm. your voice, empowering other women. Mm. You've bought a house up at Byron. Oh, yeah.
0: What do you see next for you? I mean, I've got some very, you know how it is. Got some very exciting things that I can't talk about because oh. I have NDAs. But I- <laughs> oh, excuse me, this is the big <laughs> talk you show. My- we have to talk <laughs> about everything. Okay, well, I've got some. I've got some new television things that I'm really excited about. It's going to be less. I mean, it's still about sex. Everything's always about sex with me. But it's. But we need that because mm. I. You know what? I want you to do a sex show for mm. older women
1: because <gasps> I think one. there's a whole. Oh my god! Generation. I'm. I'm mm-hmm. putting myself in this mm-hmm. box, who we do lose sight of our sexuality. Mm-hmm. We pack it away mm-hmm. because we're carers. We're looking after everyone, mm-hmm. whether it be our kids, our partners, mm-hmm. um, our older parents, mm-hmm. and we forget about that sexy part of ourselves. So mm-hmm. I'd like to do a sex show oh with God, you, should Abby. should we
0: pitch it? I should think we pitch so. It? Oh I think God. so. Who's listening at 7, nine, ten, 10, maybe... SBS everywhere. everywhere. I Even reckon Netflix stand is yes. putting it out there saying, "Yeah, <laughs> <Yes. laughs> I want to do it. I
1: do. Oh, my God, yeah, we should." And we could sell your vibrators, and then maybe I could have a range. I'm a crazy cat lady, oh and I could God. maybe get some ears or something. Why not that
0: leopard print as Absolutely. well? Absolutely. But I'm also trying to write a book. Been trying for a long time. Gotten a bit busy. Uh, it was meant to come out July. I'm still like slowly doing it, but I'm. I, You've um, got time. You've got your whole life ahead of I've you. I've got time. And also, I kind of was proud of myself for giving back the advance because I was like, you know what, I'm too busy and this has caused me so much stress. I can still do it. I still talk to them, you know, my publishers, like it's still like happening. But I was like, I need to do some self-care and not feel pressure for something. I can't say yes to everything all the time. So... I initially was a bit upset because I felt like I'd failed at it. But I'm like, no, 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 you're doing the right thing for you. You've got so much on. There's no need to be pushing yourself all the time, but whatever. The TV shows. And then, you know, the podcast is now with listeners. So we love that. I'm just, you know, a lot going on all the time. You're fabulous. <laughs> so are you. <laughs> I Thanks love you, Abby. Me.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Abby is such a phenomenal young woman. And how about the fact that she's now saying F off instead of swearing? I feel quite proud of that moment. That's a proud mummy moment for me. Now, Abby's podcast, It's A Lot, is available now on Listener or wherever you get your podcasts every Tuesday and Friday. For more beautiful, big conversations like this, search the Jess Row Big Talk Show podcast. And now I want to get a little bit high tech with you. I want you to follow me and see all of these episodes. So what you need to do is if you tap follow and add to your favourites on your phone, you are never going to miss an episode of this mighty fine podcast. You might even like to share it with your friends. The Jess Rowe Big Talk Show was presented by me, Jess Rowe. Executive producer, Nick McClure. Audio producer, Nikki Sitch. Supervising producer, Sam Kavanagh. Until next time, remember to live big. Life is just too crazy and glorious to waste time on the stuff that doesn't matter. Listener.